from Talking Mouths. My name is Steon Lungbuck, and I'm 12 years old. This summer, I probably rode Rock Lobster 30 times. I usually ride this trail with my friend Mavic, or Johannes, or Colia. Oh, hey! And Papa. <laughs> and Papa, yeah. This Rock Lobster trail is, uh, is a family favorite. The kids were talking nonstop about this trail. Um, we, we had a kind of joke in our house that, uh, you know, my partner was sick and tired of hearing about rock lobster at the dinner table. Um, and she also said that she doesn't want to hear it at work too. Um, she works with Brian Horton, who is one of the trail builders. So she would hear about rock lobster at work and then she would hear about it at home at our dinner table as well. The trail is really built with this idea of progression. So in the spot that we're standing, there's this, there's the top drop, but there's also a roll um, called the sea line, which, which is still, you know, a pretty difficult feature. And I, I, this is the one where, where I worked up the nerve to be able to do it. And like, I'm happy to, to do it now, but then also there's, there's ride arounds on the features too. So, um, you know, if I'm not feeling it that day and just want to cruise through, then I can I can do the ride-arounds. At the beginning, I was scared of Bucktooth, Top Drop, um, Department of Shred, and Squamcoover, and Megaslab. Yeah, Bucktooth is still a bit scary, but I can ride them all now. It was nerve-wracking to see the kids go over these bigger features. But at the same time, like, it, they just got so much joy out of it. Like, it was, it was something that got them outside, and they were active and doing things, and, and uh, that was super cool. So um, it became something we were actually encouraging them to, to do. There's so many features, and even if you have hit all the features, there's normally a different line you can do on the features. You can always progress and get better. I just feel like... I don't know, I really like this trail. Nice one, kiddo! You're listening to Every Trail Tells a Story. In this series, we explore the origins of our favorite Yukon trails, guided by the dreamers, planners, bushwhackers, builders, obsessive personalities, and yes, the rogues who brought these trails to life. In this episode, Rob McConnell, Brian Horton, and Marcus Waterus share their memories of building one of Whitehorse's newest and most challenging mountain bike trails. This is the story of Rock Lobster. Only climbable rock, concussion rock, flying squirrel, the toilet bowls entrance drop, the molar rollers, dental rock, mega slab, squamp cover, exit rock, department of education, chainsaw rock, B52, the whale tail, good tolly drops. It's like a string of pearls. There's there's little features built all the way along. Um, there are features that we didn't know were even in here when we started, and and now they're 
mainstays of the the whole trail. The kids named most of the features actually. We just named the features so that we knew where to meet everyone for building. Rob McConnell, uh, born and raised in New Zealand but moved to Canada in 2004 and moved to the Yukon then. My preference for riding is anything hard, uh, but I'll ride anything, anytime really. I think without trails and the access to trails, uh, I wouldn't remain in the Yukon. Putting it simply, trails are like a key part of my life. Um, I grew up on the trails of Riverdale for running and biking and then uh, Mount Mac for cross-country skiing and I've taken a lot of um, um, enjoyment out of the trail network throughout my life. Um, it's good for my mental health, it's good for my physical health, it's one of those things that's been a constant throughout my uh, throughout my upbringing and, and still now as my kids start to become mountain bikers and runners and skiers in their own right. So my name is Brian Horton uh, I now work up at Yukon University, and I'm I'm no great uh, no great rider, but able to ride most of the most of the stuff in town. Um, and one of the goals building Rock Lobster was uh, to to give myself something that I couldn't ride. We actually wanted to build an up track um, to connect onto like the collective or something like that, um, and uh, we were really keen to have that so we could get off the ski trails essentially and not have such a boring commute to the um to the single track the build got started with um uh, a few friends and i sort of walking through the forest in the vicinity of the uh, kk connector near the top of kk hill here at mount mac in a band where um it's part of the old copper belt and there's rock everywhere and there's there's all sorts of cool stuff you know relatively steep terrain and so um, you know, myself, Rob McConnell, and Marcus Waterus were all sort of um, interested in the same area, and others as well. I recall sort of Brian and I being on the same page, and then sort of um, trying to involve Marcus. I know that he had an enthusiasm to build out there as well, and then it was Rob my, and myself, I th and Jan, who was the manager of the ski club, who did a walk around. And uh, I think initially Rob was thinking of just getting an easy trail so he could get access, winter access to the trails in behind here. And uh, so, but then we started to notice a lot of the rock features in and around this area and thought, wow, this has a lot of potential for, uh, for something more. And we were like, oh my goodness, this cannot be an up track. Look at this. So it morphed pretty quickly into the vision of, well, let's have um, a double black or a black diamond downhill trail connected by a whole bunch of single track uh, cross country stuff. So, you know, the idea of Rock Lobster uh, sort of morphed and changed its vision uh, once we saw what was available to us. Yeah, I'm a BNR here in uh, Whitehorse, uh, Marcus Waterus. Um, I won't tell you how long ago because that would give away my age. <laughs> and uh, I'm a member of the ski club and the ski club board. 
and uh, all of the people that have been involved are are cross country skiers as well, and and so Rob, Marcus, and I got together and really started the ball rolling in terms of the going through the process with the city and with the Contagious Mountain Bike Club. We had a common vision. I think that's what stuck us together. We had a common vision of let's create something that's really hard so that in future generations, they're going to be able to say, okay, well, that's the limit now. Let's increase it or let's get really good at riding harder stuff. So we wanted to have sort of a barometer and white horse that was comparable with, say, if you went to a Squamish or, you know, a Fernie or a Golden, then, you know, our black diamond here would be comparable, hopefully, to what you get down there. So we started Rock Lobster in 2018. Um, we managed to get it through the city application process and. Brian and Marcus were the chief ones behind that and we spent about a year scoping the lines and and I mean it wasn't like we were doing it every single day from nine till five but uh, yeah we we sort of picked away at it. I used to do a bit of mapping through my work and uh, so I, I used that uh, aspect of my career to help uh, help the cause and uh, put together put together a map that was part of the of the uh, application. And so, uh, yeah, that, that was where, uh, where I came in. And uh, also helping to plan some of the features. So we had three main building seasons with Rock Lobster. We focused on uh, the bottom third to begin with. Um, and then we moved basically backwards up the mountain and completed the middle section. And then in the third season, 2020, connected the top section to the collective. I think um, Brian's determination and Marcus's um, steady influence and maybe my enthusiasm, we all meshed together well. You know, Brian could talk me down off stuff that I was pretty determined to happen. And um, sometimes he was like, well, no, actually, this is a better way. So I needed a good, strong influence like that. Otherwise, it may have got a little bit out of hand. Um, we were able to talk to some folks, Paul Burbage and Joe DeGraff and some of the really sort of experienced trail builders um, while we were beginning the build here and give us some feedback. Um, we, you know, we just picked away at it and uh, we all sort of contributed where we could. Um, I mean, one of the major issues was just finding the time, right? So um, almost all of the builders are parents and, you know, the kids can't come every night to, to build and got jobs and all that sort of goodness so my name is Kieran Horton so usually when he w went out building as long as it wasn't after dinner I would come with him and sometimes I'd try to sneak in a few friends with his permission of course but still um yeah oh my gosh good thing you're so strong record record number of children out tonight the next generation Because if we don't dig the dirt, we don't know where to kill. <laughs> Kids, yeah. Um, the rumor about child labor and uh, us using child labor to make rock lobster is totally true. I would say that they're responsible for at least uh, a half of the labor. They're certainly responsible for the uh, energy and inspiring the adults to get back out there, for sure. 
every single Thursday was trail building night and those kids were there. It was just so amazing. Like It was actually the parents that would often be dragged out there after a hard day at work, 15, uh, 15 kids carrying weapons into the bush. Random kids ca- crossing the highway with chainsaws and saws and axes. We've had some really keen builders as well. Um, James Mitchell, Colin Abbott. Colin Abbott and James Mitchell and Adam McDougall. They were kind of the second and third wave of enthusiastic volunteers and they sort of brought a whole bunch of people with them as well. And James Mitchell, although not initially part of the the setup crew, was a massive, massive influence and energy energy on this trail he was ever present and um, him and Colin Abbott made in my opinion the 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 best made um, feature on the trail it's a rock step up um, affectionately called the Department of Education Department of Fred Um, I will not go too much into that so to protect James and Colin um, um, entrance drop is about a four foot drop gap um, sort of into a hip jump um, and Colin Abbott and Matthias Purden really took that on um, B52 uh, Scott Kesey and Marcus uh, built that feature I think uh, when it came down to it we all worked well together and uh, and uh, came around to, to seeing each other's viewpoints and I think it worked really well Marcus was uh, the steady rock. You know, he was uh, pretty constant there with his dogs. He's got a hey, doggo. Hey, oh. Marcus. Oh, it's Marcus. Oh, cool. Marcus, your timing is perfect. Do you want to do an interview? No, not really. And, uh, you know, working with Brian um, it was pretty inspiring. The guy's pretty strong and can lift a lot of rocks and was always reliable and, and usually brought at least three to four kids with him so that was that was a lot of fun I think my main contribution to the Rock Lobster project was <laughs> my kids they were ever present and um, uh, I was a pretty good crash test dummy I tested most of the features out first <laughs> which was uh, uh, sometimes fun, sometimes not. Um. The Lone Eagle. His achievement was not speed, but daring. For that, he was admired. So one of the first build nights was building the Chainsaw Rock, and um, so named because Rob decided to ride down it, holding the chainsaw in one hand, and it was just this, you know, classic scene of, you know, Rob McConnell, the Kiwi, uh, the crazed Kiwi on his uh, on his mountain bike with a chainsaw. And um, I won't say yes or no whether it was running because that's a little bit stupid, but uh, the whole story was I wanted to show the kids how actually the rock slabs are actually some of the easiest features you can write. They just look intimidating. You know, that memory sticks with me for sure. And there's been lots of other, you know, sort of fun times out here. For me, one one night that stood out in particular was everyone just uh, salivating over all the possibilities and uh, acting like a bunch of kids. There's one particular feature that brings a smile to my face every single time. And um, I call it the toilet bowl or the S-bands. It's uh, the last feature of the top section. 
It's pretty unique to Whitehorse. It's kind of a, a double berm that's linked together. Um, and I, it brings a memory or a happy memory because everyone was involved, right? There was between 12 and 14 people on that one site for a couple of days we were clearing willows and moving dirt and it was just a really a great community effort and it also reminds me um of a trail feature in in a place in New Zealand I love to ride so every single time I ride it I sort of get exported back to New Zealand in my mind and it's uh, it's just a just a beautiful trail feature and just a lovely memory every time I think the naming of the trail was going to be one of the hardest decisions. I've always thought, oh, you need to name the trail as you're building it, right? Like you come up with the name on a build night and that's not how it worked. That's one of the things that you're supposed to include on the uh, on the application to the city. Rock lobster. Rock lobster. Rock lobster. Rock lobster. Brian just threw that out there for the application. Uh, yeah, it's totally named after the, <laughs> the song. I remember it from high school and uh, university. Brian must have been inspired by uh, old rock. Just there's lots of rock on this uh, on this trail, and so we thought, no, yeah, I don't know, it's just sort of a spontaneous, oh, rock, rock lobster. And then, you know, we named it after the B-52s, so. There is a B-52 drop, we figured, we need to have uh, we need to have a you know a clear reference to the band. No one in our group was a B-52s fan, as far as I know. Um, I, I'm surprised that the name stuck. It was meant as a gag, but uh, but it's it, it's not going away anytime. It looks like so. No, there was certainly no love shack considered being uh, built. Um, yeah, although. Uh, yeah, it is a nice place to camp. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun building this together. There's been, um, you know, there's been loads of folks from Dakini who have all come out. We've got lots of families and kids who have contributed. Um, you know, the kids have come up and swung, you know, swung a shovel around and, and picked out lines and that sort of thing. So it's actually been a real blast as a, as a family activity. I live in Tikini. Um, Brian lives in Tikini North as well. And it was interesting in this when one of the comments I got when I built Rock Lobster was, isn't it convenient that the trail ends in your backyard? And I was like, yeah, damn right it is. Um, that's how we planned it. And that's the beauty of the application process. If you want a trail uh, that finishes in your backyard, then you just gotta put in the work and go to the city and get it approved and then build it. The terrain took us there as well, but um, but yeah, there's definitely a bit of self-interest at heart. Hillcrest is still pretty accessible to the Mount Mac trails, but not closer to Rock Lobster than Tikini. They can do quick rides after dinner. For me, I gotta work a little harder to get here. Yeah, so poor Marcus doesn't have the trail finishing in his backyard, but uh, that's okay. He he uh, he rides it frequently too, I hear. CNBC um, had a really important part to play in the building and creation of Rock Lobster. We independently wouldn't have got the approval to build the trail. Um, Sammy Salter and Colin McCann really moved it forward. Uh, more so Colin near the end there, but Colin McCann has been a huge supporter 
on opening night he came and turned up and took photos and uh, brought fake champagne and, and we cut a ribbon and like made it really really special for the kids and that was a really nice touch and um regrets yeah i don't know yeah i do have some regrets about rock lobster i think that um the relationship between cnbc and the city and i were was strained um probably i was just too pig-headed and wanted to build something really really hard without having any compromise whereas i could have been a little bit more amenable in terms of signage and and not building ridiculously hard features i think i could have toned it down a bit so the signage on rock lobster is interesting um it was imperative that people really knew what they were getting into. Um, this is does legitimately have some black diamond features, and um, the fear was that people would get into it and not know what they were getting into. So the amount of signage uh, which was put up, um, although I have to be honest, I'm not a fan favorite of the signage. For me, it takes away from the nature of the trail, um, but I also am not... I'm not stupid and I realise that in order for the trail to be open and be safe for all people, that the signs signage needed to be up. Bones will be broken on this trail, unfortunately. It's definitely outside of the, the norm of the lower trails on Mount Mac. Whatever protective equipment you can put on is likely, uh, likely good, uh, good planning. Dental rock. I'm terrified of Dental Rock. We uh, we found a, the lower jaw of a moose um, at Dental Rock, and that's why it's that's why it's got its name. So Mega Slab is also pretty steep, yeah. but it's got a good run out, and Dental Rock is very steep and uh, and has a hook to the right, right at the bottom. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm scared of it. last count we had over 30 30 youth involved um, and I think I tallied it out close to 1500 hours of volunteer hours from just those youth alone don't do it alone collaborate I think it really is a is a, is a good move. I think you get a lot of perspective and you'll probably end up with a better trail than, than you had anticipated. You know, the whole idea of this uh, project being available and, and usable by the community was one of our visions and what actually happened. The kids that have been involved in this have so many memories from this build that uh, that I'm really, really, regardless of what people think of the trail, I'm really proud of the work that went into it and the work that the kids did and the memories that we've helped them um, help them come to. And I, I really am excited to see them learn to ride it because in the last 10 years, mountain biking has gone up and up and up and these kids are riding that wave. So I'm really excited to see see them riding this after they they helped build it. Um, 
like sometimes I'm a little bit selfish and say it's like my trail. I could I can definitely work up to most of the features. On a scale of one to ten, on average I'd be about from six to eight and a half. Fun factor. Every Trail Tells a Story is 100% made in Yukon by Talking Mouths. Theme music is Blue Ska by Kevin McLeod. Please leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Better yet, write a review. You can also leave comments on the episode page at TalkingMouths.com. A big shout out once again to everyone who contributed to this oral history. Thanks for listening. One of my biggest injuries ever and on a bike was on Porcupine Ridge, right? Yeah. So I think the, the the nature of being on a bike is dangerous regardless of where you are. It's when you get comfortable is when you get hurt. So, you know, you know, doing Porcupine Ridge or maybe Boogaloo or even up tracks, you feel relaxed and then that's when things really, uh, you know, I've heard of just as many people getting injured on uh, blue to green trails for sure. I'm pretty sure Jeff Harris once broke his ankle riding off a curb. <laughs> yeah, I heard that Jeff Harris actually broke his ankle riding off a curb. So there you go. So Did you hear that? <laughs> no, I don't know if it's true, but I'm just yeah. repeating. You know, you have to keep giving me a sentence. Sometimes I'm just talking to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's to break. But you did a great job. You yeah. Yeah. <laughs>